0: Praise the Lord for a beautiful time of worship together. My soul was blessed. I hope yours was as well. I want to also extend a, a welcome to the visitors. Thank you for being with us and all the rest as well. What a privilege we get to gather together and sing and Lift up our hearts to the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing. <clears throat> well, we already, in that last song, I think over a dozen times at least it was that we confessed. Together, that God is love. Imagine that. And I know it's it can be so familiar and common that we sing it without really thinking about it, but I'd like to at least attempt again. I know the songwriter said that uh, for, for uh, if every man on earth were a scribe, it wouldn't be possible to explain the love of God and but I'm going to try again this morning, make a little attempt at that. <laughs> Even in spite of, of what he said, which I know, I know what he said. I know what he meant. We can never exhaust this topic. But I think all of us were touched in a very different way yesterday. A very unique way. We haven't, at least as a, as a body, as a fellowship, had a, had a funeral and so I think it impacted us in a in a yet another way. Well, at least it did me. And uh, this morning, when I when I awoke quite early, pretty pretty early on, I, I I felt very clear on what I want to talk about today. And so that's what I will attempt to do. And it has to do with God's love. I'd like to talk about five aspects of love. That's the title, Five Aspects of Love. And perhaps with a subtitle, Love Never Faileth, or as we would know it there in Corinthians, Charity Never Faileth. But I'd like... Just to explain that word fail there, um, that means something a little different than what we think of when we think of the word fail. When we think of failing, we think of uh, missing the mark or, you know, making a, making a mistake. That's what we think of when we think of failing. Well, that's not what this word fail means where it, where it says charity never faileth. Doesn't mean that at one point love is going to let us down. Doesn't mean that at all. But what does it mean? It actually means it will never fall off or it will never go extinct. It will never be not needed. It will never be that it isn't around anymore. Unlike faith and hope, which will have an end. In heaven, we won't need faith because we'll be there in sight and all the promises that we hope for will will we'll realize in heaven will be real. But love will be there. Praise God. So I would like to maybe just add another dimension of what Earl was saying this morning on standing on the rock of God's faithfulness There's, if you want to look at it that way, there's also God's faithfulness is totally encapsulated in love. So when you're a Joseph and you're down in the pit and your dreams aren't coming true and you feel this frowning providence, as the songwriter says, Not only do you have the faithfulness of God to stand on, but you can also hopefully better realize or be reminded this morning by the time I'm done here that God has you and me in that pit out of his love for a very good reason. And not, there's not one iota, not one shred, not one jot or tittle, there that he puts us there to make life hard for us. I don't know if we can wrap our minds around that. Even in his times of, as as the scripture says, of uh, correcting us, chastising us, if you will, and maybe that is a pity experience. But it is done. Completely out of the love of God. So that's where I'll be going this morning. I wonder if we could stand together and have prayer at this time. Been sitting for a while. I don't think we stood this morning for the last song. Let's pray. Our Father, Abba Father, we're gathered here in the name of Jesus, and we approach your great and holy throne in his name. And we come with confidence and, and boldness into your presence, O God, as your children, Lord, this morning. And we thank you that you are so faithful, as we heard. But not only are you faithful, but you're also love. God, your word tells us that you are love. That's that's your very essence. God is love. Lord, I know we can't understand it all. And it's true what the songwriter said as he tried to describe the vastness of the love of God. Lord, I know we won't even had finished scratching the surface, but I'm going to try and make another scratch on it this morning, Lord, and that our eyes could be opened just a little more and our understanding could receive a little more of the love of God. Oh, Father, I pray for that for myself and for all of us here today, that we would understand in a, in a little deeper experiential way, your love for us. So bless your word, help me to teach it with clarity, Lord, and that it might help myself and all of us along the way this morning. We ask this, dear Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you were out at the burial yesterday or not, but the minister, uh, Dwight, Dwight, I believe his name was, if I'm not mistaken. Among other things, one of the things he said was, he said the very fact that people are sorrowing and there's tears and so on, confirms the fact that there was love here. No love, cold, you know, cold-hearted relationships, probably not a lot of sorrow. But deep felt relationships, a lot of sorrow, a lot of tears, a lot of feelings. And, and I thought about that. That's a pretty deep statement, statement, I think. But as I continue to ponder that, that statement, and, and as good as that all is, and it's that way probably always in, in funerals, you know... We tend to, either on purpose or just because of the nature of funerals, I don't know, we tend to forget people's faults and mistakes. We tend to not dwell on them, right? And that's good. But the question that I would like for us to ponder here is, shouldn't we live that way more all the time? Why do we wait till the funeral day to really, you know, do that? Shouldn't we try and focus more on the love of God and his love for me and then pass that on to our fellow human beings? You ponder that. I think it would go a long way. In fact, and I I have no problem with the roses that were laid on the on the coffin there, but one, one person put it in, in words and said, give me the roses while I live. And that's, that's what I'm saying, you know. I think we should just try that. And I think as we understand God's love for us, we can probably do that better as we do that. We can do that better. If we understand it, if we're secure in God's love, we can probably better forget people's faults and overlook their faults and realize our own and, and, uh, and put this kind of love in action. You can open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4 for our text here. We've all confessed this morning now that God is love a dozen or more times in that last song. Come, let us now unite and sing. God is love. God is love. God is love. We all said it a dozen or more times. Let's read 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. That was a manifestation of God's love. It's not just words. It's not just history. But God manifested his love to us by sending his only begotten son into the world. It was his very being that he gave out of his very own bowels. His only begotten Son. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. Get this verse. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is. Affected in us. You know, God is not going to send another son into the world to save the world. He did that already. But the world, and not just the world, but the church family, our own families, we need to see the love of God and feel the love of God every day. And dearly beloved, that should come through us. When we truly love one another, number one, it's a sign that God is in us. And number two, the people around us can see the love of God. That's tremendous. That's tremendous. My first point here is the essence of love basically is God. When you see true love, you see God. No man has seen God at any time. But his love is perfected when we truly love. When we truly love, we see God. That's powerful. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly love one another, the world's going to know you're my disciples. You're going to be just like me when you truly love each other. In Exodus, the Lord came, I believe it was to Moses, I didn't even look up the passage here, I just found the verse and wrote it down. But the Lord came to, to Moses, I believe, and said, and he passed before me. and he said, he proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, that's God. Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness. Every promise he made, like Earl said this morning, every trial he takes us through, every pit we find ourselves in, not only do we have a promise to hold on to, we also have a, a loving God behind it that does not have a shred of revenge, or you deserve it, or this is because I want to teach you a lesson even though he wants us to grow up, but he doesn't have that kind of spirit about him at all. David knew God this way, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. That's how David knew God. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. So that is how David knew his God. And hence we have many, many sweet psalms that, flow out of that flowed out of that relationship. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Adam Clark, I'm going to read a comment by Adam Clark on this verse God is love, an infinite fountain of benevolence and beneficence to every human being. He hates nothing that he has made. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. He has given the fullest proof of his love to the whole human race by the incarnation of his son who tasted death for every man. Oh, he could have called ten... 12 legions of angels. But we wouldn't have seen the love of God. Maybe we need to remember that when we are in the the depth of our trial. Instead of crying, Lord, deliver me, maybe we should say, Lord, fulfill your purpose in this. And just, just, stand on the promises and stand on the fact that this whole thing is 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 enveloped in love it has to be as a child for the child of god so god gave us the fullest proof of his love by the incarnation of his son who tasted death for every man he drank that bitter cup i still remember roman kaufman preaching on that on that uh, scripture there, and he said it was as if, if, if God took the sin of the whole human race and, and pressed it into a cup, a bitter cup, and told Jesus to drink it to prove his love for a lost and dying world. Uh, reading on here, it has been well observed that although God is holy, just, Righteous, etc. He is never called holiness. God is holiness. Or God is justice or etc. In the abstract, as he is here called love. God is love. Like nothing else. I don't know, but I don't know about you, but that just Sends the shivers down my spine when I said that. This seems to be the essence of the divine nature and all other attributes to be only modifications of this. It seems so futile. I seem so far away from even beginning to able to explain it. But I, I hope that that just can settle down on our hearts. That is how we should see God. That is how we should strive to see God. The devil comes to condemn. And yes, if we have, if, if we, you know, if, if, if we are hiding things, we, we should feel Condemned. But if we have a heart that wants all that God has for us, and in spite of our faults and failures, we can take a hold of those promises and say, I am a child of God. My life is an open book. I'm not hiding anything, and I can stand on the promises of God. And I can claim that, that, that I am enveloped in the love of God, no matter what I'm going through. And that is, that is important. So we come from this great God of love. He is love. That's what he's made out of. He is love. And now we receive his son into his heart and his spirit comes into our hearts now. And we take on his nature. Brothers, we can't get angry anymore and get away with it, can we? There's no way. We grieve the Holy Spirit. We can't do that and get away with it. I'm not saying that we won't sometimes, but it should break our hearts when we do that. Because God is love, and there is no shred of anger in him toward his children. And so when we step over the line and revert back to the flesh, it it can't be long if the Spirit of God is in us that we're saying, whoa, I messed up, and I know it right away. We all know that. That is so basic. But why do we try to get away with it? It is so important. Now moving on to my second point here, the importance of love. It is so important that our motives and what we do is a, is a result of the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. And you can turn with me for, for the scripture on this second point to 1 Corinthians 13. It is so paramount, it is so important. That we, first of all, have this in our hearts, that what we are doing, we are serving God out of a love for him, first of all. Nothing else, nothing else will, will, will satisfy. And I'm going to jump in here to the area of, of say, uh, yeah, I guess it's just our Christian life, the things we, we say. So here, it speaks about our words. We all know the right thing to say. We know what a Christian should say. But he says here, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become, maybe to God, this is as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal there's not a lot of satisfaction in those instruments alone. They get irritating very fast. You know, just last night, uh, someone sent a little video clip. At a uh, they were at a at a funeral in an Indian reservation in North or South Dakota, and this individual was cremated and wrapped in. Buffalo skin, I think it was, or some kind of animal skin. And they were having a ceremony for this individual. I don't know if it was a woman or a man. But the writing below, below the video clip, and it was a uh, young Hagee girl that comes to our Bible school. Can't think of her first name. Many of you know her. She said, the video does not do justice to the loudness of these drums. They were beating on those drums just a... Staggering, just not nice at all. It was just dead. It was dead. You know, on and on, and they were kind of chanting with this thing, you know, on and on and on. And I wonder, is that how our service sounds to God? If we don't have the love of God, if we're not doing what we're doing out of the love of God, this is a challenge to all of us. It's the Word of God. If I speak, Though I speak ever so lofty, and it's not bathed and seasoned out of love. It's pretty irritating, at least to God. We can maybe fool people sometimes, but not always. Goes on, he says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have, yeah, well, let's just stop there. So we, we, you know, we, we got it figured out. We can explain it. We can say it pretty good. Well, that's not the most important. Actually, I'll finish the verse. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And we might say, well, how could it be? How could someone do all that without the love of God? It's Obviously, it's possible because it's in the scriptures. And I think we should just take the challenge to not be one of those. To make sure what we're doing is bathed in springs out of a relationship with the Lord. It's so important. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, that's pretty phenomenal. And though I give my body to be burned... This individual did that at this Indian reservation. And have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. I know we know this, but people can give their millions and make a great splash, but it profits them nothing if it's not done in the love of God. The importance of love it is so important, and yesterday it just kind of came natural for many of us. It was the thing to do we wanted to do it, you know we, we just overlooked and we blessed and it's so important. The third point is here here we see a description of love here in Corinthians We'll just read on it describes what This true love is God's love in us. It suffers long. It is kind. It is kind. It envieth not. This is God's love. It is not boastful. It vaunteth not itself. Or puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemingly. Or seeketh her own. Joseph is such a tremendous picture of that. The only indication. We, well, a couple of indications. He, he pled for his brothers. I think a little bit there. When they put him in the pit. There's a little bit of reference to that. And then when he told the the other prisoner to remember him. And. And that's about the only reference that we have to himself. But it think he, he, uh, he uh, it, it seeketh not if, uh, her own, is not easily provoked. You know, for myself, and I by far haven't mastered this one. But the more I I think of myself, the easier I am provoked. It's just that way. The less I think of myself, the less room there is to feel provoked because I'm dead. It's tremendous. It thinks no evil. Boy, we can work on that one. No evil, no evil intent. When it feels so bad, they had no evil intent. or revenge rejoices not in iniquity it, it hates sin it is grieved with lawlessness but rejoices in the truth hallelujah it's there when something good happens it has a testimony it supports it it says amen i love it it beareth all things this is a description of the love that we should strive for. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. Jesus said, he that endures to the end will be saved. I'll just give us two stones to stand on, Brother Earl. One, the promise of God, and the other, the love of God. And we can make it to the end. Amen. We can make it to the end. We have to. The, option, the, the alternative is, is not a good one. To, to cave in and not endure and say, life is just too hard. I can't make it. What are we going to tell the Lord in the end if that's where we're at? Oh, Lord, help us. Charity never faileth. Prophecies prophecies are going to vanish away. Tongues are going to vanish away. All mysteries will be gone in heaven. We'll all speak the same tongue, but we'll, we'll all love. Love will be just the wind of heaven, the essence of heaven. You'll smell it. You'll feel it. You'll taste it. It'll be there all over. Hallelujah. A description of love. Number four, the endurance of love. I guess I already touched on that. But we'll just we'll clinch it here with verse eight again. Charity never faileth. This is my fourth point. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, They'll, they'll fall off and go away. Tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But charity never will vanish away. We'll be perfectly at home in heaven with the love of God if we have allowed Him to splash that into our hearts. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. That is so vitally important. Jumping down to verse 13. And now abide faith, now, here, today. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hope, hope is our anger of the soul. It's that cable that goes from my heart to the very throne room of God. That's hope, now. Now abide hope, faith, hope, and and love. That's here. These three, but the greatest of these is love. You mean if I have God's love, it would be greater than if I would have faith to move a mountain? I think so. Number five, in my final point, <clears throat> the outworking of this love. And you can turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2 for this reference. The outworking of the love of God. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. If there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor in this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgments, the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which ye are called? Verse 8. If ye fulfill the royal law, what is that royal law? That is the, the top, the crowning law, royal, royalty. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. That's the outworking of it right there. If ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the, law, the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For, in, for he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So speak ye, and so do, working out of the love of God. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and has not works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food? And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful of the body. What doth it profit? Nothing, is the assumed answer. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. I think I'll leave it with that. <clears throat> Outworking of love. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. That is so important that our faith is 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 operating, is propelled, has a power to it from the love of God. Romans five five says, And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The outworking of love. For our final text, uh, turn to Luke 10. We'll look at the story of the... Uh, Good Samaritan there. Luke ten, verse twenty five. So we have a lawyer here attempting Christ in verse 25 and asking him the question what he needs to do to have eternal life. And then he, Jesus asked him, what, how do you read? And then he answered and said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus told him, you've answered right Do this, and thou shalt live. And then he was willing to justify himself, in verse 29, by saying, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side and likewise a levite when he was at that place came and looked on him and passed by the other side. Now we'll stop there. This was a d- direct violation for the levite and the priest to do this. They they had a law that even if they saw their neighbor's animal wounded or struggling they were supposed to go and aid it, help it and take care of it let alone a human being. They were so, they they were so, they so missed the mark that they could go by on the other side of the road. Where was the love of God? That's what was missing. They knew it in their heads. They knew the law, but the love of God was missing in their hearts. They were so blinded by self-righteousness, at least this man, because I think Jesus made the very point, when he was willing to justify himself, Jesus drove that point home by this parable. But here comes a Samaritan, those that were hated by the Jews. A Samaritan. And when he was, when, uh, verse 33 But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he was, he had compassion on him and went to him. And right there is the evidence of the love of God. He was moved. Very basic, very powerful. That's what I want to pray for. When I see a need, my heart would be moved. Self-righteousness blinds us, and we tend to go the other way. When the love of God is shed abroad in the heart, it's enlightening, and we are moved toward the need. We're drawn toward the need. Compassion moves you in the direction of the need. He went to him. He went to him, and he, he reached into his pocket, and he gave him of his resources, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast, brought him to the inn, took care of him. And when he departed, he took out money there and gave it to the host and said, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay you. Now, a very profound question, but we all know the answer. Which of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said unto him, and he said, He that showed mercy on him, Jesus said, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Amen. May we take that to heart, brothers, sisters, all of us. And stay long enough on our knees and wait long enough in prayer till we have a fresh supply of the love of God. I think that's so important for us every day. You know, we know, we know what, how we should live. We know what we should say. We know what we should do. But if you're like me, too many times I still find myself skirting around issues. And not really being moved and drawn and allowed the Lord to just use me as he would do himself. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him that fell among thieves? I want to be that man. I hope you want to be that man too. I'm sure you do. So God bless you with these words and God give the increase. May God be praised.